Welcome to the podcast, Wave On fans out there. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, podcast 55 here. We also have the podcast on YouTube, so make sure you hit subscribe in all of those places that you preference on how you listen to the podcast. Uh, we do do the video portion, so we got that one this time. Got some dates to throw out. The season is ramping up and I'm putting some things out on the calendar, some things on Facebook as reminders. So first one actually is uh, June 11th. It's a gear demo day, but we also have a newbie class going on as well that day. So we'll get started at 11 a.m. on Sylvan Lake. And the next dates after that are going to start to look like regular scheduled classes. So the first one that I have up on there is June 16th, but I think we're going to get it started a little bit sooner than that. Uh, the next big date it actually is June 23rd. That's Board, Bar, and Bubbles. So very um, fun sunset night. We'll do a sunset guided paddle tour and all levels are welcome for both events whether uh, you're new to paddle boarding or new to bar uh, this is a, a tagged um, event so we'll have three of those actually this summer with Carly she was on the last episode 54 and she describes her background and all, everything that she knows about teaching and her career within leading movement so she's so super awesome we've held them in the past and we're looking forward to do that again so that June 23rd that's the first kickoff for that one then we'll have another one in July and August uh, we are servicing two lakes this year Sylvan Lake and another one Tipo Lake lake a smaller lake uh in white lake <laughs> a lot of lakes in the area june 26th is the first one for that and then that's a sunday during the day paddle and then we'll have another one on june 28th at 6 30 that'll be a sunset and we'll take it from there we'll see how it goes we've got a sale on lip balms so that's on the website luna moon shupyoga.com luna moon sup yoga and uh, go there check it out i'll put a link in the description for that i might put some other links in there for some of the events but we're really looking forward to an awesome summer we're just getting ahead weighed uh new boards are going to be in stock so those will be at the demo day as, as long or and as well as some other accessories so if you're looking for advice on your own gear or maybe to upgrade it in a paddle or an inflatable inflator inflatable inflator <laughs> let me get that straight i'm talking way too fast uh, anyway, lunamoonshpyoga.com. Go there, check it out. And we've got the member app as well through Glowfox. Uh, if you want to download that member app, it'll be on the website, um, a link there for uh, Apple or Android. So let's dive into this podcast, episode 55. And I got a, um, a good friend and actually a very well knowledgeable and open-minded um paddleboarder, hiker. She's an all-around outdoor enthusiast. So let's tune in. Oh, how awesome to have you onto the show, Stephanie. You're like the outdoor adventure adventurist out there uh, living in the, um, out in the West where uh, it's rainy here today and I'm just enjoying your backdrop. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much, Misty. I'm really excited to chat with you. And yes, um, you know, sunny San Diego, it's usually 75 and sunny. Can't go wrong. Yeah, and any of your pictures or posts that I see, of course, I'm like, oh, it must be so nice. 
Well, you know, Maclusa, it's interesting, though, because in May and June, we have May gray and June gloom. And that's usually by the coast. And people who come to visit, they're always so disappointed. They're like, oh, it's quite cloudy. It's gray today. I'm like, just wait till noon. You'll be fine. And uh, yeah, it always turns out to be a great day. Yeah, I haven't been out in California in a while. And I just I just love visiting out there uh, no matter what. It's just such a unique experience from being out here like in Michigan, Midwest. So I, I always enjoy it all. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we're super lucky too because we have like the ocean, um, the desert, and then the mountains. The only thing we kind of lack here in San Diego is we don't have any lakes or rivers to really paddle on. So you're mostly in bays, um, we're lucky there's one reservoir that lets us paddle and then the ocean. So, wow. It's a little different here. You're pretty lucky because you have lots of lakes to paddle on, right? Yeah, this is true. Um, and if you talk to anybody, I mean, I'm not that close to, um, the West side of the state where Lake Michigan, I'm not too far either, but some of those guys that live really close to the, to the coast, they're dying to see storms come through because they'll get out there and surf it. Right. Yeah. Actually, I saw somebody surfing in Lake Ontario once, which totally blew my mind and just by Toronto. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're a little far and few in between the numbers. So if anybody or I guess in their world, that's an advantage because they're not like waiting in a big lineup or anything. And it could, it, you know, it's like the wave is there. So they just go for it. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. On Easter, we tried to uh, go out to practice some subsurfing. And you get there and you're like, eh, it doesn't look too good. Oh, it's okay. We don't need to do this today. We can uh, come back tomorrow or another day. So I guess that's one of the benefits, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I got the pros and the cons, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, definitely. I, I definitely enjoy seeing um, seeing some of your posts that you put out there. They're pretty inspiring. Um, like I said, just being within the distance. And then, um, I mean, you being a, a strong advocate and outdoor adventure. And, I, you know, and listening to some of your clubhouse, I mean, even though before we just started recording, uh, you haven't been on much and neither have I. And in a way, I sort of missed that. I don't know what happened, but uh, I, I definitely heard or liked hearing about other people's aspects and where they get to hike or camp and all those different um, scenarios. Oh, me too. Um, I mean, like the talks on Clubhouse were so inspiring, hearing everyone, whether they were paddling, whether they were hiking, back camping, canoe tripping. Um, it, it just... It's like going on Instagram, right? And seeing everybody's posts and you see all these fantastic places. And I mean, there's pros and cons, right? You don't want a place of nature to get overrun by people. And then it just becomes something like a Disneyland, for example. And everybody's just there to get their photo on like a famous spot. But how else are you going to find out about a lot of these places? And I mean, it does inspire a lot of people who maybe never thought that they would hit the outdoors to actually get outside and experience everything that nature has to offer. So, you know, as much as I love social, I hate social all at the same time because yeah. you, know, you don't really want to be on that trail or even paddling where, you know, you have somebody that has a, a musical device and they're just blaring music. Um, even if it's a song you love, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, Oh, I would have liked to have heard the birds or, 
you know, you're scaring away an animal that maybe I would have seen had you not been blaring this music. So, you know, there's always a bit of a challenge out there. Do you experience that um, quite a bit with, um, I mean, California being pretty popular or just popular places to even travel? Do you experience a lot of that? Um, with regards to music on the trails or just a lot of people or on just the trail? More, more people or or even just the fact of more people finding out about certain places and whether they are just whether they're intentionally, you know, not like walking away with what they came with, you know, like that little aspect or um, I mean, for example, uh, YouTube, I can remember shed some light on some places to go to in Hawaii and very remote and, you know, and Hawaii doesn't really advertise a lot of their stuff. This was all just uh, found by, well, whoever wrote the book or posted the YouTube video and then the coral kind of got damaged and maybe they, maybe they, they didn't, their intention probably wasn't to do that, but over time and just the, not the lack of knowledge probably uh, contributed to those factors. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, there's a local place here where I've hiked quite often and I actually don't really go there anymore just because so many people, it's a, a really cool spot. It's about a three mile. So like five kilometer hike, uh, somewhat we would consider hard and um but then there's a flat rock that just just it kind of looks like this and it's called potato chip rock and i'm not sharing any secrets so if anybody wants to google it they'll definitely find it um but there are lines now like an hour or two long just to go get your picture taken on the rock wow i'm not kidding you so wow. then you have a lot of trash right because mm -hmm. people just assume that someone's going to clean up this all your garbage that you leave behind and that's not the case so it's kind of like whatever you bring with you take out with you and then unfortunately some people are ill prepared for that hike it has it's very exposed there's no shade for example i've seen people like families of maybe four people um and they've got one water bottle like this size for all four of them and i'm like oh, wow. oh man you are not gonna make it up to that the top right mm -hmm. um or at least maybe you'll make it but you'll be severely dehydrated so i mean yeah we're seeing lots and lots of people now out on the trails um and maybe they're just not as prepared for it as they should be right like when it says this is a hot hard hike yeah it's a hot hard hike bring lots of water like people aren't kidding kind of thing yeah um or you know you get people in flip-flops and oh, you're like wow. okay you're doing this hike in flip-flops maybe not the best shoe selection mm -hmm. or no hats right and I think that happens out on the water too sometimes like people don't think oh I should take water with me when I go stand up paddle or you know I should be wearing a hat or long sleeves they're like oh I'm going out on the on the lake I'm wearing my bikini <laughs> right because that's what you normally wear in the water yeah but the sun damage it's so like dangerous now it's so. so true. I mean, a few few points there. It's like, you know, you think you're stating the obvious by, like, I, I just put together kind of this water safety um, little checklist. Nothing fancy, nothing advanced. But I felt like when I even presented it the other day, I was like, I sound like I'm stating the obvious. But then I also know 
what you just said, like people take it for granted or they just don't think or they see the water and they're like, yay, it's finally 80 degrees here in Michigan. Let's go. And, you know, like one of the point bullet points I said was to at least some wear bright clothing, like some basically so a motorboat could see you just, you know, even if you are in broad daylight, like maybe you're going more or less at six o'clock and it's starting to get dark and you might be in the tree line or something, you know, like just any of those scenarios. Right. And then, and then, yeah, the, um, the, well, I'll use clubhouse, I guess, as an example for not everybody's going to hear it, but you never know who you might come across that you say these things. And then they, you've kind of gave them a little bit of education, like, Oh yeah, cool. I'm, I do want to start hiking, but, uh, I never thought of all those things. And, you know, it's a little bit of educational, whether you feel like you're repeating yourself or not. <laughs> yeah. And it's always a good reminder for everyone, right? Like I found myself at times going, why didn't I bring more water? Or one time we went on a mountain bike ride and I'm like, oh, do I need my headlamp? Now, if I was hiking, that headlamp would have been in my, my day pack, right? One of my 10 essentials, always carry the headlamp. You never know what's going to happen. You might get stuck out there. Mm-hmm. But for some reason on this mountain bike ride, I didn't bring my headlamp and we wound up um, kind of, there was lots of trails and it was like, oh, which way should we go? And we kind of got lost, but we knew where we were. So lost, but you know where you are and yeah. uh, no headlamp and it got dark. Well, I'm not a, that great of a mountain biker and then add the element of, I can't see the ground. And so now I'm walking my bike the last two miles or three kilometers back to the car. And I was like kicking myself going, really? Why didn't I bring my headlamp? Right. I guess I had my cell phone, but I wanted to make sure I didn't use all my battery power on the the lamp part of the cell phone. Like everybody thinks, well, I have my cell phone. Um, But yeah, so that was just a stupid mistake. And I'm experienced. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we all do it. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect. And, yeah. uh, but it's good, you know, good lessons to learn. Definitely. For sure. Kind of thing. What has been now, your... if I go paddling, yeah, I was going to say, if I go paddling, I'm not carrying a headlamp usually. Um, but if we do go late in the day or go night paddling, yeah. uh, yeah, carry like a waterproof headlamp or maybe those Lucy lights. I don't know. Have you seen those? They're inflatable solar lights. I have. Yeah. You can attach. Yeah. So those are really cool to take out at night too. Yeah. And then some of my friends have the actual light strip that goes underneath your board so yep. you can see what's underneath. That's really cool. Those are really cool. Yeah. I just I got yeah. a set of those like at the end of the season last year. So right now the water is still pretty clear enough to see, you know, without the boats like stirring it up. And uh yeah, it yeah. Should, should get a little bit warmer maybe where I could could try it out again. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't have those, but they look just so awesome. Oh, airplane. I don't know if you can hear it. Just a little bit. It's all right. And you're, so yeah, so you're yeah. originally from Toronto and you're in San Diego. And that's amazing. Right. Toronto is not too far from me in Michigan. Yeah. Well, I was lucky this summer. I got to go up to Toronto and spend some more time there. So it was really fun to uh, meet up with friends and paddle at Center Island. That was pretty cool. Um, Forgot about that. And then on the Humber River as well. So that was neat to get out and paddle there. 
I actually wish that I had my inflatable with me because yeah. I totally wanted to go down from the top of the Humber River from the dam area and take it all the way down. I thought that would have been cool. Like there are some mini rapids along the way and I thought, oh, I'm inflatable. Other than it getting caught on something and like, you know, splicing open, it would have been awesome <laughs> just to experience that. Do you know anybody that's done that? I think Mary Beth has been on some of the different areas. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Like, probably. She's always out for an adventure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beavers and yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah. Super lucky. I'm kind of bummed out that I didn't get to catch up with her while I was there. Because I think it would have been so much fun to like meet in real life. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, and you also came back from a really cool trip. And I don't think I've seen any posts or anything about it. So... I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 diving into early about the uh, the adventure you no. had. <laughs> yeah, you're like the first person to hear all about it. Really, Ooh. we got back this weekend, so we went for um, we went to Costa Rica for one week to a suck surf camp, and it was really cool. It was at Blue Zone Suck, and um, they had uh, a couple of coaches there, and. Um, they were just fantastic. Like, I mean, uh, Joe Sue, he really spent the time with us to teach us the basics of, um, you know, just your, your surf stance, which is a little bit different than we would normally find in stand up paddling, just, you know, when you're cruising the um, flat waters and things like that, uh, really focused a lot on pivot turns, which I found really interesting. Um, and then out in the ocean, we went to like three different spots and, um, you know, stand up paddle surfed. And I had done a little bit here in San Diego, um, but it's so much nicer in Costa Rica. Let me tell you, because for those of you who don't know, the water in San Diego is cold. Mm. Like even in August, let's say it's really refreshing. And, um, and you know, wetsuits are kind of normal for at least eight months of the year, at least for me, because I'm usually really cold out there. Um, but in Costa Rica, I like no wetsuits needed other than rash guards. And you definitely, 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 one tip, if you go down there, you need to wear a surf hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like a baseball cap won't do, because once you hit those waves, that cap is gone kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so something that has a strap underneath. And that's one thing I wish I would have brought with me, but Josu was super nice and he lent me one of his. So um, oh, nice. that was really, really great. It yeah. is, that so is I, unique. You know, I highly recommend. What's that? That is unique. Yeah, it's something that you don't really think about, right? When you're on flat water, you yeah. just wear like a baseball cap or a yeah. hiking hat or something. Um, but when you're in the surf, you really need something that's tied down. Yeah. So that when you get taken down, like even with a chin strap, that hat came off sometimes because the waves were so fierce. Wow. So. And the sun's that intense, and right? It is. It, it really, really is. And um, like here in San Diego, sometimes I'll wear sunglasses with croquis attached to them yeah. if I'm not in the surf. But the waves aren't as powerful, at least when I've been going out, right? Like I'm a beginner. So 
in the glasses seem to stay on my face, but I think in Costa Rica, they would have been gone. I would have lost them. More powerful waves in Costa Rica, right? Well, I think just where, I think it was the time of year and the swells that were coming in and the waves that we were experiencing. And of course, um, like I said, I was a beginner. So, you know, I would have liked smaller waves, but then I was with more advanced people as well. So there were, depending on when the swell was coming in and which wave sets were coming in, there were some that were larger and the people who are more advanced were like, yes, and they were out on those. Yeah. And then when a smaller set came in, I was really excited and I would catch those waves. Um, and so, but overall, yes, they were larger waves than what I've experienced here at the shores. But like this weekend, the La Jolla Shores, they're experiencing big waves, too, and more forceful. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's all about going to, you know, the apps and looking at the wave charts and things like that. And I, I'm still learning. Like, I would love if everybody has any uh, YouTube videos that they want to recommend for me to watch and learn. I'm totally in, 100%, trying to just understand the, the different apps like Surfline and Magic Seaweed. Yeah. So I don't know if you've looked at any of those ever, but... Well, I I have like off and on a little bit, you know, I don't, I don't get to, ex- honestly, I don't get to experience, um, you know, a whole lot of that. The, um, so I do, I, I do have a trip planned for out East and, um, I'm thinking like, yeah, I want to try sub surfing and I'll bring my wetsuits of course, cause it's still going to be chilly, but I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to have. I probably won't have it right away. I haven't even surfed in a while. Like it's been oh, probably five years since I've even surfed. And, you know, you remember sur- or learning to surf on a longboard first. And I, I did try a shorter, bur- a shorter board. I knew it was going to be the wrong thing to do, but I just wanted to see. I was like, okay, <laughs> really, what is the difference? I know, I know you learn better on a longboard and I'm used to longboards because of paddleboarding. But let's just try the short, this, I don't remember what size it was. It could have been eight or seven feet long. I don't know. And yeah, it was not the same experience at all. Like I was doing, I was doing much better with the long board and the shorty brewer just every time I would just fall and just <laughs> eat it, you know, like, <laughs> and I mean, and that was to be expected, but I just wanted to know for myself. Now I feel like I have been out of it for so long, like as far as bigger waves that, um, yeah, we'll just see what happens because I'll need probably another like lesson of some sort. And, uh, you know, I'll start watching some videos or whatever, but, uh, it's such a different, different game and, it's unfortunate that I've been away from like the, the from the ocean that long, but it is what it is. So, yeah. <laughs> so did you do uh, prone surfing or stand up surfing? I did stand up surfing, um, but you know you 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 learned with the whole prone first, and actually you had um, instructor behind you who would kind of give you that push too, so that would help. Okay, you know, like get you into the wave. And then, you know, like you'd paddle a little bit, but it was like immediately you'd start to stand up. And these weren't really big waves. I, I, I bet they were considered more rollers for anybody that was just experienced or advanced. And I was just like, oh, this is more than enough wave for me. Thank you very much. 
So what I learned was um, when I was down in Costa Rica, so you know how you were taught, you're kind of probably in that white water mm-hmm. yep. section where the instructor's behind you and then you're lying down on the board, paddle, 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 pop up yeah. and you catch and you're usually in that white fluffy stuff, right? Coming into the shore kind yeah. of thing. Well, for stand up paddling, it's really hard to catch a wave when you're standing up on your board and you have to paddle, paddle, paddle yeah. in that white um whitewash I guess is what it's called and uh, it's a lot harder so um, that was really interesting to learn but yeah I'm gonna say if you do decide to do stand-up paddle surfing on your next trip practice your uh, pivot turns in the lake beforehand and uh, be in a staggered stance I don't know if you paddle parallel or if you paddle staggered with one foot ahead of the other one but I would highly recommend start paddling in that staggered stance if you can and then really work on your pivot turns perfect because basically what it all boiled down to was if you could get that stance and really have that flexion in your knees and be able to you know stand up and then compress and come back down that just is really what you needed in the ocean and to actually get out Right, because you've got that surf break. Yeah, right. That was, yeah, yeah. I have some stories about the surf break. Right, and then you have your paddle like, oh. with you, right? So that's yeah. It has to add a little bit of a of a, a struggle. Well, what Joe Sue taught me was to put the paddle on the board and with the blade at the end of the board, and then push down on the end of the board so that the the board would raise up and go over the wave as it comes to you okay and then you know the best tip ever is not to be between you uh, like to have uh, let me let me re-say this you don't want to be um, on one side of the board and then the wave on the other side of the board so you always want to be in between the wave and the board otherwise that board might come crashing into you okay right so even for those ocean paddlers that are heading out there and they don't have any interest in um, actually being in the surf. They just want to get out there and paddle. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to get through the break sometimes. So That's I thought those true. were really good tips that he gave me. Yeah, that is, and that then, is true. Yeah. And one other tip, um, and I had never considered it really as a stand-up paddler. He was like, you know, you're not really that strong when you're on your knees. You're stronger when you're paddling out on your feet because you can have that compression and you can tilt the board back and tip it back with your back leg and things like that to get over the wave. So that was super helpful. Um, And then the other thing, which I never thought about, was almost being like a regular surfer, right? That you're lying on your board and just put that paddle under your chest and paddle out. Um, So I did that a lot when um, I was, you know, after catching a wave and maybe falling in and not being as successful and being able to turn and get back out. um, It was just really quickly get back on that board and just on my stomach with the paddle underneath me and then just paddle out away from the surf, uh, the waves. So that way they weren't crashing on me because it's a lot of energy that you're expending Mm -hmm. with one wave hitting you after the other. Right. Yeah, totally. I do remember being pretty tired surfing after I think the first day, day and a half, the second day, 
it was either second or third day that I tried to go back out. And I was like, I'm exhausted from the previous days. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was like, I think that the people who don't fall in as much aren't as tired because you're spending all this energy to pop yourself back up on the board constantly, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Oh my gosh! Yeah. And so the the paddle the paddle prone is like to get pat even to get past the break. You can paddle prone and get past the break with with your paddle too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm trying to envi- I'm trying to envision it just like with surfing, but without without the paddle. And I can remember like definitely doing even in Lake Michigan when some waves do happen to get the board out past the wave break, you know, to pop the nose up a little bit if you're standing and yeah. try to yeah get out that way. Um, and those waves are, you know, usually not that big if you're out there in the summer because you're probably not in the storm. Like when those guys are surfing <laughs> completely different. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so how many days did you get to surf? Uh, six. Wow. We went out every day and sometimes twice a day. Amazing. So that's yeah. awesome. So it was a lot of fun. Um, I did go back to basics and um, spend time. There was a river mouth at one of the locations. So we were in Nosara, Costa Rica. And one of the surf spots is called uh, La Boca for the mouth. And it's the river mouth. And um I'm kind of glad that I didn't see these creatures, but kind of wanted to see a saltwater crocodile because they were there at the river, but we didn't see any. Um, But we went back into the river and we really practiced that staggered stance and um, also pivot turns on the board. Because, you know, the board is a different, it's a smaller board, less leaders than a normal stand-up paddle board. And uh, it, it was great to actually spend time and go back to the basics and really work on technique there mm-hmm. and then transferring that out to the ocean. Right. Nice. Um, yeah. In one way, I wish I would have spent more time here in San Diego before going to Costa Rica, practicing those skills. So therefore I could have taken them out to the ocean and spend more of my time in the ocean and on the waves. But, you know, when you when you kind of self teach, and I think a lot of people do this with stand up paddling, is you get a paddle board, you go out onto the lake, you're like, it's not that hard. You take the paddle, you put it in the water and off you go and you're moving, right? Yeah. But I think that, um, you know, when it comes to if you're deciding to race or if you're going to decide to do surfing, I think um, it's really wise for people maybe to take some lessons. Even if you're a beginner and all you want to do is cruise the lake, right, recreationally, mm-hmm. I think it's a really good decision to take some lessons with someone who's very experienced, uh, certified instructor, just to get the proper form and technique um, mm-hmm. and tips. Like, you know, we were just talking about Definitely. lifting the nose of the board, right? Mm-hmm. And where to be when you're on the water. Just things like that. Um, I just think it's really helpful. And I kind of wish that I had maybe done um, some lessons here with someone sure. who is uh you know a, a stand-up paddle surfer mm-hmm. that could have given me some of this advice that I could have worked on ahead of time I mean I watched some YouTube videos but until you actually go out and put that into motion yeah it's really hard it right? is definitely so, definitely and the thing oh what 
what I really liked about um, Josu is, um, and this is that Blue Zone stop that they do this. And I think a lot of the subsurf camps kind of do this is they videotape you. Oh, cool. And so like during our morning sessions, everybody got videotaped on a bunch of different waves. And then we would come back to the house and we would watch these videos. And then, you know, uh, at first you're kind of like, oh, I don't think I want to be critiqued in front of all these people that I don't know. But who cares, right? You're there to learn. You're there to improve. And, uh, you know, the way he broke things down and explained them to us and, you know, he got the whiteboard out and he drew things for us and just it was excellent, right, for them to break down and pointing out, like stopping the video at your feet and being able to see how your foot might not be over the stringer or if it's on the rail or your knees aren't bent. Like, I'm tall, so I'm six one. So when people say get down low, I'm like, I am low. They're like, look at the video. I'm like, why am I standing up so tall? <laughs> like, At least you have good, so, good proper stance, right? <laughs> standing tall and not well, but hunched you're over. <laughs> Yeah, but you're in surfing. You're you want to have your knees bent, right? Like, yeah, you don't want to be over, but you want to be low. So, yeah, totally. I mean, and it was great to see yourself and also the other people. Like learning, even though that these people were much more advanced from me, and when Josie would talk about, you know, how they could improve their technique and what they could do, I'm learning. Like I'm not there right now. Mm-hmm. But when I get there, at least I'll be remembering some of those tips that he shared. Sure. Right? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Did they have any uh, books or manuals that they kind of suggested or? No. Um, I mean, uh, Chase has done a bunch of YouTube videos uh, so that and he's really broken down stuff really well there as well. Mm hmm. But I, they didn't recommend any books to read or other type of types of materials. Um, I don't know if I would learn from a book all that well. Yeah. You know, I think seeing it and actually doing it and then having somebody critique you on what you were doing right or wrong is probably the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, interesting how a lot of information transfers over. Like if you're a snowboarder or a skier, right? Even That's a mountain I was biker. Just thinking of a snowboarder. Like, yeah, I'm kind of like there's something that I remembered is speed is your friend, and I'm like, think about skiing, right? You're like, oh, or snowboarding. Oh, I don't want to go so fast because then I'll be kind of out of control and I'll fall down, right? Yeah. Or even mountain biking when you're going down a hill and there's lots of rocks, you're like. I'm going to go slow. They're like, speed it up because you need that momentum to go. And that's the same with surfing. Like when you see those um, waves, when some of them are bigger, you're like, I'm not catching that. And they're like, okay, this little roller is going to take you nowhere. Like you're not even going to, it's not going to take you anywhere. Don't even waste your energy on it kind of thing. Um, So, but then when they're too big, I love that they taught us just jump off the board. Just jump off? Just jump off, like bail. And I guess depending on where you are, like you have to know how deep the water is and what's underneath. Mm-hmm. But if the waves are too big, just bail off the board in, in a safe manner. So whether that means if you're like over a reef and stuff falling, 
backwards, but never in align with the board, always to the side. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in direct alignment with the board, if it smack comes back, it might hit you. But if it comes back and you're not in alignment with it, you should be okay. Okay. Are you wearing a leash? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Attached to the board. Yeah. And we had a couple of people who their leashes broke. Um, so it's always really important to check your gear before heading out. Um, if there's any knots in the leash, make sure that you undo those knots because that's an easy spot where the leash could potentially break. Um, I did have a leash that, um, didn't have the full Velcro and I looked at it when I put it on and I was wearing booties because there was a reef there and I didn't, and rocks and I didn't want to, um, you know, bang up my feet. So when I put the leash around my ankle, it actually wasn't what I would consider large enough to go around. And uh, oh. when I put it on, I was like, hmm, I don't know about this leash. Thought, well, they put it on my board. It must be okay. And uh, so this is like, where to wise. always check things and ask questions, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, the leash just kind of came off my foot when I got hit by a second wave and the board just took off. And I was like, oh no, now I have to go swim for that board but super lucky the coach went over and got it for me and then he was like this isn't the leash for this board and so he changed it out and gave me his which was really great we didn't have to go all the way back in to get another leash but those are just things right like that yeah you've got to look at definitely when you're purchasing your gear and your equipment and taking good care of things and even um sometimes what happens is you get grass or like seaweed and stuff in the leash, you know, in the Velcro part, yes. and then it just doesn't stick as well. So it's always good to like clean your leash and make sure it's in good condition. And of course, rinsing it after salt water because salt water kills everything. So. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. That's just like your even Velcro, whatever you have on your jacket and it starts to collect lint or cotton and yeah. whatnot. Same, same thing, except probably more outdoorsy type of stuff on the leash. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Um, And then they did share another tip with me that I thought was fantastic to know is if you are in the surf um, and the board, you do fall off is to kind of bring your knees up to you so that when the waves hit, you release your legs as the board gets taken. So you don't feel that jarring jerking motion because if you're already straight, then it's just pulling you, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're kind of, knees are kind of into your chest, then you kind of relax and release your legs. And then you don't have that same jarring motion. Oh, Like wow. all good tips that I picked up. Yeah, that's amazing. Now what happens to yeah. your paddle if you fall in? Uh, hold on to it. Just keep holding <laughs> on to it. It's interesting that I did not lose the paddle. Like I never let go of the paddle. And I don't know if that's from when I was a little kid and I, I would canoe. Um, and you always make sure you held on to the paddle no mm-hmm. matter what, right? So, yeah, I never lost the paddle. Um, but, yeah, if you do lose it, go swim after it because they do float. <laughs> Got to go find it. Board could be this way. Leash or your paddle is over here maybe. You never know. So you yeah, gotta, gotta, I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause, uh, you know, like flat water when I teach them and they say 
they they do get worried about their paddle. And I'm like, don't worry about your paddle. We got to get you back on your board. You know, the paddle floats. We'll we'll get to it. But, you know, that's me with them as like someone who's new trying to get um, acclimated to a paddle board. And uh, just the steps and process of what they do as far as like getting on it, standing. And then if they fall, what happens? All of those little steps. Yeah, and I I have to say, I think sometimes, you know, when we're on a board, whether it's flat water, ocean, whatever, sometimes we're really trying hard to stay on the board, Um, whether you're using a bracing mechanism by smacking that paddle down to stay on. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's like you're better off just falling in Mm -hmm. because the chances are, like, I know that I've fallen forward on my board sometimes. Well, you can easily break a hand. or something else, right? Because, your nose. or let's say you fall back on the board and you hit your tailbone on the board. The water is a lot softer. Mm-hmm. And I, but I know everybody's kind of like, oh, I don't want to fall in. I don't want to fall in. Yeah. And I'm now I'm kind of like, oh, just fall in. Who cares? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, especially on the I, ocean with waves. I mean, just better off to get in. Yeah, well, when we came back, I actually went out for a paddle in the harbor, and it was kind of really choppy. And, well, it was so cool. I have to tell you this. We saw dolphins, five of them. Nice. So neat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but the water was really choppy, and I was on um, a 14-foot stand-up paddleboard, but it was a flat-bottom one, more made for the the flat water like a lake versus the choppy ocean water. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was out there on that board. And of course, the board, there was so much side chop that I just got tossed into the water. And it's kind of like, hmm, you don't expect to go into the water when you're on your stand up in the harbor, but hey, it happened. Yeah. And every, of course, I got soaked and I'm like, oh, well, I don't really care. It's still fun out here. It wasn't that cold. Yeah. You know, we kept paddling. But I think I was almost in that attitude of, oh, just fall in. Who cares? Because I was doing that for a whole week, right? <laughs> and so I didn't even try to save myself. I was just like, yeah, whatever. What was the size board that you had out in Costa Rica? Um, the first board I tried was 130 liters, so maybe 9 feet by 31. And then I moved up to a board that had about 160 liters. So it was a more stable board. And I think that was nine, six by 30 or 31. It was a Jimmy Lewis, super Frank. So the first one was a super Frank. The second one was a super Frank lean by Jimmy Lewis. Um, And they had all these boards there. So that was a carbon fiber board, super nice. Um, And then um, for paddle, I was using the quick blade, uh, I think a UV. It was like, um, it's like a hybrid paddle, but it has like the V drive shape. And so that was nice. It's very similar to a paddle I have at home. Um, the other thing I learned too was when you stand up paddle surf, your paddle is a lot shorter than when you do traditional um, paddling in a lake. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah. And I guess it depends too, because a lot of the racers have shorter paddles now, even, um, you know, for racing, yep. just because they're getting lower when they're paddling. So mm-hmm. if you're standing up taller, as most beginners are, your paddle is usually really long. And then as you become more experienced, that paddle gets shorter. 
right yeah that is that's so. a good that is a good point yeah the uh, racers are typically a little bit a little bit shorter than how you get adjusted for just you know recreational you know your lake lake uh, paddles yeah and the other thing too is um you know a lighter paddle is much nicer it's not just because it's you know the heavier or lighter but um and a thinner blade because you can get that cadence up mm-hmm. right so you can paddle a lot faster and get that board moving which you need to catch a wave um i think sometimes people forget about that when they're they're going up just recreational paddling in a lake or something like that yeah. you know they're just like oh whatever paddle who cares but i think the paddle um is super super important if you're going to be paddling a lot even if you are on the lake um if you do it a lot, you should probably have nice equipment that uh, is not so taxing, like on your shoulders. You know, if you yeah, if you're doing it a lot or you are an instructor, you know, you're gonna want nicer, something a little bit more lightweight versus the the usually the typical three piece uh, metal and plastic <laughs> paddle that comes with your paddle board. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, interestingly, we ordered a inflatable stuff because we went to Lake Havasu um, in, I guess, in December. And um, and it, we just had it delivered directly there because we had another stand uh, inflatable, but it caught, got a leak mm-hmm. and we had it repaired and patched. And then we had a leak in another spot. So it was like, oh. okay, forget this. And then we went away and we're like oh we need another inflatable so we just ordered it online to be delivered there um i guess the luxury of you know two three day delivery um but the paddle that came with it was just not great (laughs) i mean it just was like oh this sucks yeah it's um i mean it's the truth because Paddles alone by themselves can cost quite a bit of money depending on the materials it's using. And there's no way you could get that kind of good deal or bargain with the whole complete setup. Exactly. And, you know, you've got to get a paddle sized for you, Mm -hmm. right? So for your weight and height, getting the right type of blade, um, depending on the kind of paddler you are. I mean, this gets so technical that I don't fully understand it. And that's why I have... uh, you know, you talk to people, you talk to people at the shop, you talk to the manufacturers, you ask them questions. And if you can try things out before you buy them, that's what I always recommend. Right. Yeah. That's, it's so true. Yeah. It's all, I mean, it's all educational and it's, um, it's, it's fun because it is situational where if you're depending on where you're paddling and what kind of water it is, and then, based upon you alone, your, your size and everything. And, um, but then just picking, um, leashes, you know, coiled or long. And it's like, there's so much out there and it's just such a growing sport that it's kind of the beauty behind it. It's, uh, you know, there's still room to learn. I mean, I'm, I'm a teacher and instructor, you know, to certify, but I still like to learn. And I know that there's enough to learn because, well, I mean, I'm in fresh water for number one. There's that, you know, aspect against the ocean. I have a lot to learn about the ocean, quite honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. It's, it's always learning, right? Because Mother Nature is constantly changing. Yeah. Even if you're out True. in the lake in, in fresh water, 
I mean, all of a sudden the weather changes, the water's changing, the currents are changing. How do you change? How do you change your stance? What are you doing with your stroke? It gets super, super windy. Um, but you still want to be outside. You still want to enjoy it. You don't want to go, Oh, it's windy today. I'm not going to go paddle. Right. Right. Maybe. Yes. Maybe that is the case. Cause you're like, Oh, I can go do something else. Right. Um, but you know, okay, it is windy. What do I need to do differently when I'm going to go out for my paddle today? Things to think about. Right. Oh, totally. I mean, even the inland lake here, it can get so windy. Uh, you know, and there's Lake Michigan, which is a different scenario and, um, it can change. It's like we were out the other day, not on the water, but um, just around, just surrounded by the water. So actually this little community, community event thing that I was doing and we're standing there and they go, all of a sudden it just got super windy. Like we're grabbing things, trying to hold it down. And I'm like, exactly. That can happen anytime that you're on the water standing on a paddleboard, even like it happens. And even though we're all staying there, we've been out all day and it's been super still. And all of a sudden it just picked up and got a little gusty and things were blowing around. And I'm looking at this side of the lake or the left side of the lake and the other, and then across from me and it's, it reads completely different, you know, and it's funny as it's just yeah. an inland lake, you know? Hey, have you, have you been um, doing any paddling on rivers yet? You like know, with an, with rapids? I have not really, um, but I have been thinking a little bit more about it because this year I want to try to maybe ad- like adventure out a little bit with some of the, especially some of the people that have come out for classes more often and I know them and they're getting experience. You know, we might try to like venture and make more of a destinational spot. Uh, there, I don't know about a lot of rapids though, but we do have quite a few rivers that have some good current where you might do a little... Um, like downstream paddle and get picked up and do a, a maybe a shuttle. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't try to come back up. <laughs> we actually did a really cool paddle um, a few years ago. Uh, we started at the Hoover Dam and um, we paddled the Colorado River. Oh, wow. And that was really neat, right? Like nice. to be at the bottom of the dam area. Of course, you can't get through the roped off part. and You do have to have a special permit to get to start. Okay. Um, you can paddle up to there and then paddle back down to a different area where you're allowed to put in. Um, that was really cool because along the way we stopped at hot springs. Like we hiked in, went to a hot spring, came back out, continued oh, wow. paddling. And we actually did it with a guide. Um, so it, it was easy, right? Like everything was done for us. They had the boards, they had the paddles. They asked us what we wanted for lunch the day before and all we had to do was really just show up. And the one thing he said is like, how much paddle experience do you have? Because the winds are picking up. Mm-hmm. And um, we're like, oh, you know, we've got quite a bit of experience. And uh, he's like, okay. And, but he brought a, an extra kayak paddle with him because he was actually in a kayak okay. um, just in case the winds were really bad. And I found that um I was like paddle, paddle, paddle. And I'm looking at the side and I see a rock and I'm like paddle, paddle, paddle. I still see the rock. I paddle, paddle, paddle. Uh, Still see the rock. And I'm like, "Hmm, I think I'll take that kayak paddle now. (laughs) Right. Just to get going. And I haven't used a kayak paddle in so long. I had all these blisters on my hands because I guess I wasn't holding it properly. 
I was just like, oh, well, wow. that's all right. Because it was a lo- it was a long um, paddle, and like I think it was around twelve miles, and uh, yeah, those gusts of wind, uh, they were quite the challenge. Mm. So, wow, um, that's amazing. But it was cool. Like I would highly recommend it, and I think I'd really like to go back there and do it um, with probably bringing an inflatable and bringing some camping gear mm. and camping at some of those hot spring sites. Um, making it a couple day trip because I think that would be a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That was you said Hoover Dam into the Colorado River. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I think it. I think the part where you get out is called Willow Springs, but don't quote me on that because it was years ago and I might have the name wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that's where you can put in as well and go up river. Wow. If you choose to do that. That yeah. is so cool. Have you, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out here cause I have no idea, but okay. si- since you're out West, um, have you been out to, um, like Moab or Canyon lands? And then you may have seen pictures of it at least where sometimes they have to like hike and have, um, their like watercraft with them, whether it's something with like a giant inner tube or the kayak that kind of like folds up, but they only have to use it for so mm-hmm. long. So they're doing hiking and then they come across water. That's literally like between like wall of red rock and then they go through the water and then they get back out and then they hike a little bit more. Have you, have you seen that? I have just seen it online. I haven't had the opportunity to do that, but it does remind me a lot of being in Ontario and the lakes where you're portaging a canoe con like, multiple times I, I remember doing that a lot when I was a kid okay um a lot different though right because the canoe's kind of I think canoe's heavy now yeah <laughs> compared to a board um and then all your gear as well like your food and camping supplies and things like that that you're taking with you but I would totally love to do um an excursion like that I think one of the biggest challenges with a paddle board is you know boards aren't exactly light. And I know there is a company that has a, uh, what they claim is the the lightest um, stand-up paddle board with paddle and it rolls up. And uh, I think it's like 15 pounds in total, maybe for the whole thing. And you can hike with it. Um, I can't imagine the paddle being all that great. You know, when you're talking about how how it comes apart and everything I'd love to try it out Mm -hmm. but hey if your goal is to hike and paddle I think it makes a lot of sense because uh, for most hikers you don't want to carry a lot of weight you try to bring down and cut that weight as much as possible right Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say most stand-up paddlers are the same nobody wants to schlep a 30 pound board to their car and put it on, load it on their car and then take it off their car. And then depending how far they have to walk from the parking spot to the water. um, I know I don't want to carry a 30 pound board to go do that. And I have to say the, 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 the stand up paddle boards, they're so much lighter because they're so much smaller. It's like, well, this is nothing. I can carry this like for a long time. Right. Right. Um, compared to some of those recreational round nose boards, it's like, oh my God, this thing is so heavy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that, um, 
that one of the hikes that I've done w- with my paddleboard with is an inflatable and on the my backpack shoulder strap thing was uh, going down in Tahoe to um, Emerald Bay. So you, oh, beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's not very long of a hike, but it is all the way down hill because the lake you're li- you're literally looking down at it. And I don't remember what was harder, going downhill or coming back up with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting that sometimes uphill is actually easier. Sometimes. I kind of right? thought it was easier, honestly. Um, and that was after already all day being down there and paddleboarding and inflating, deflating, putting the gear back together. But I felt like coming back up was a little bit easier couple times you could take a stop, you know, like <laughs> go over to the side away from everyone else out of people's yeah. way and take a breather. <laughs> Wasn't it beautiful though? It was so nice. And I mean, I liked using my own gear. I mean, I don't remember being paddleboarders or paddleboards being down at the end for rent, but kayaks were down there that you could rent. And, uh, okay. yeah, it's just unique. It's just very different. I mean, the water, the, the clarity, but big, you know, it's, it's very, it's big water. It's, um, yeah. Was it cold, the water when you were there? Yes. It was very cold. Yeah. Very cold. Um, you know, I mean, a fun adventure though. I mean, for not having to go very far anyway, taking your own lunch and paddleboarding there around there. And then they have this little Island in the middle which I don't remember the name of the island exactly, but it was something about a tea room. So there's a structure that you can kind of even climb up on these rocks, and it's very uh, historic. It's um, part of a mansion that even overlooks Emerald Bay. And from what I understand, uh, don't maybe don't quote me on all of it, but it was called the tea room because it was like you they would maybe canoe over, and that was like their little little vacation spot and kind of hang out in there and have a view and look out. And then the mansion is across from them now. And <laughs> nice. Very That's unique. really cool. We went to, a, yeah, we went to a different section on Lake Tahoe when we were there in um, October of 2020. Okay. Um, and it was so beautiful. And, you know, right now the name escapes me of exactly where we were. Um, but that's where we had, uh, this is an older inflatable that had been stored, rolled up and it wasn't ours. It was a friend of ours. And she kind of knew that, Hey, there might be some issues with it, but all of a sudden we like, we paddled out three miles and then we heard a little and we're like, Oh no. no. Right. So um, my boyfriend had to paddle back. He was like, I'm just going to, st- I'm going now. I'm like, okay. Cause I had my finger on the hole until he got ready to go. Oh. Like the, it was a scene that had just kind of come apart. And uh, like I said, I think that boards now, the way they're being constructed are inflatables are a lot different than when this one was made years and years ago. Probably. So um, he was paddling pretty fast because he was kept thinking, what if it sinks? You know, like when you go down with the ship on those cartoons, like the, the ends come up the and then he would up. be in the middle. Um, <laughs> but he made it back. But, you know, the biggest concern there was how cold the water was. Yeah. And um, even though I have like a 14 foot inflatable, I think that we would have both have had to have sat on my board and paddled together to be able to make it into shore. 
I don't think that he would have been able to like sit on mine and I paddled or vice versa. I think that the weight distribution would have just been too hard because it is an inflatable, right? So it's almost when you have two people on it, it's like a mattress. Yeah. Um, so that it was just interesting, like the scenarios that are going through my head. Well, what what if you know we he that that board just goes down and we've got to figure out how to get to shore because my my thought was you swim to shore as fast as you can because that water was so cold. And then we figure out from there, you know, how do you go and get another board or something and paddle it back over? But, you know, my mind's always doing rescue scenarios. So I was like, all right, what do we do now? It's good to have a plan B, C, probably D, just in case. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That that was a while ago, huh, that that happened and – yeah, and then we had it uh, professionally repaired, and we uh, took both inflatables to Hawaii. Wow. And I am i don't know what I think about using inflatables in Hawaii. And, you know, somebody said, seriously, Stephanie, you worried about that? And what I was worried about was, well, what if a shark comes and chomps on the inflatable? Then I have nothing, right? But yeah. if it's a hardboard and they chomp on the hardboard, well, I have the other half of the hardboard that I'm still on. And they're like, are you kidding me? You're going to be thrown off that board anyway. What are you even thinking about? And what are the chances a shark's going to come and get you? But, you know, of course, this is going through my head. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't know. Those are like, that's always kind of a thing because um, they have like, they try to do some t- sometimes even deterrence of how um, like the shape. So like the shape of the board and then like arms and legs off the board, I believe, is like what they consider. Yeah. Um, a seal, right? Or some other kind of yeah. thing that they would eat, I believe. Definitely. And, yep. and then, and then I, cause I just saw an image of this and I'm trying to re, I'm trying to recreate it in my head, but that was definitely one like, okay, this is what sharks like. And then I think it was stripes. They don't like stripes or something. So like if you put stripes right. pattern on, on your board, then they're like, oh, okay. That's not, that's not food. Right. Well, I have a friend who he has the bottom of his surfboard has stripes on it and he wears a wetsuit that has stripes. Oh, wow. See? So, yeah. And I think, um, and it was funny because there is a, like a kook of the day kind of stand up paddling or surfing uh, Instagram channel and they or or Facebook, I don't know, some social media channel. And um, they, somebody took a picture of him that he didn't know and posted it. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's Vince. He's awesome. Like his boards, his brother designs his boards and airbrushes these amazing designs on them and everything. And it's funny because everybody then that saw it was like, oh, he's the best and he's great. And, you know, I think that they're trying to make fun of people with the kook of the day kind of post. But None of us would make fun of him. We're like, he's awesome, right? <laughs> um, and so it was just, I don't know if that's what that point of that channel is. And we don't care because we're like, he's a smart one. We're the dummies. I don't have the stripes on our board. So. Yeah, I mean, I it's kind of funny. I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I guess I don't know enough because I don't, I'm not there and I'm not living and seeing, but when I see mm-hmm. stuff online or whatever, I'm like, well, it makes sense to me if that's what really is a deterrent then. And, and I think there's something else too, but I'm losing what it is. I know I saw it recently. Somebody, 
out on the California coast. That I don't know if I don't know if it was a sound or if it was just the pattern thing, but there was something else that I I just not thought yeah. of. But. And somebody mentioned to me too. Um, you know how we were talking about bright colors earlier, so you could be seen on a lake and things like that. Well, somebody was mentioning at the ocean, you don't really want to have super bright colors like pink because that's what the the fish are, right? And so those oh. fish get eaten, so you might not want to have bright colors. And of course, one day I've got like my bright pink rash card and I'm like, yeah. don't worry, guys, I'm attracting all the sharks to me. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and the next day I had a striped. Um, rash guard that actually had stripes on it and I had no idea about the stripes so that was just a fluke that was a coincidence but yeah yeah definitely oh my gosh wow well that sounds um, that all of that sounds so fun and amazing it is now taking my mind off of the rain that is happening all day here oh <laughs> just- uh, yeah well it's gonna be beautiful there soon you're gonna have like such long days which is awesome um, we don't get days as long here, right? Like the sun sets at 9.30 or 10 where you are in totally. the summer months and you can get some really nice late night paddles in. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of jealous about that. And your <laughs> water gets really warm and yes. this water doesn't get so warm. <laughs> so <laughs> That is true. I am I am surprised about that with San Diego, but uh, in San Diego water. But um, when I was there, I loved... I I did actually I did my paddleboarding training in San Diego and um I took on the full experience of renting a Airbnb sailboat so I was on the water wow <laughs> yeah right by the airport and then like in a marina and then I rented a bike and I brought my paddleboard with me so it was an inflatable and they found a spot for me to kind of keep it so I wouldn't have to travel back and forth to the training spot nice but I rode my bike all along the shore almost. It would break away from it a little bit, like the water. And all I remember was um, lots of um, military, like, training camps. And then everybody's everybody's in the park exercising, doing yoga. I was like, this is so cool. Like, I'm in another world. <laughs> it definitely is. It's a... Um you know, it's just an outdoor lifestyle where every, there's a lot of people who are active, right? And yeah. it's easy to be active when it's sunny. Um, it's not super, super hot. Uh, you have the ocean breezes. You've got the big parts on the water that you can go and do boot camps and things like that. You've got the path. Like, I think you were probably in Mission Bay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's like San Diego's best hidden secret for the rest of the world. So Mission Bay offers so much. It's, um, it was dredged, I think, in 1953, and it didn't exist the way it exists today. Um, and then there was a hotel that was founded uh, just kind of on the water. And with that hotel, other hotels came as well. And SeaWorld was built there. Whether you like it or don't like SeaWorld, that's a different story. Um, but you know, a lot of things built up around it. And then you have a bunch of different marinas. And so, yeah, and there's a Fiesta Island, which has a huge dog park uh, for dogs to just run around. And uh, so it, it's neat. Like Mission Bay has a lot to discover on it and a lot of things that you can do. And like I said, there's a bike path too. You probably were on mm-hmm. as well. So Yeah. 
very neat. And it's protected, right? Like sometimes right. you will see, if you get lucky, a dolphin in Mission Bay, but you do see sea lions, starfish, Garibaldi. Kind of neat. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh, I loved having you on and just sharing outdoorsy, um, sharing your Costa Rica um, experience. It's awesome. And uh, Oh, I definitely think you should go. I think you would really, <laughs> really, really love it. Oh, it has to, it has to happen. <laughs> definitely. It has to happen. I, I don't know when, maybe next year, but uh, definitely getting that. I have that on my bucket list. Yeah, I definitely want to go back. So let me know when you might go. Maybe we'll plan it to go together. Oh, awesome. I, I, I really like to go back. I think it was really great. And, you know, my goal this year is to just really work out on my skills for stand-up paddle surfing and then go back and then be like, okay, look what I can do now. Let's how do we get better, right? Because <laughs> I think it's always learning, right? You've always got the opportunity to learn. And you'll have, yeah. you'll have a spot by you to probably practice, right? I do, yeah. La Jolla Shorts and San Onofre and Cardiff okay. by the Sea. Those are all some great breaks. Um, and they all offer something a little bit different. So. Mm -hmm. awesome. But the water's cold. Oh, except for San Onofre because it's by a nuclear power plant. Um, although that nuclear power plant is not functioning right anymore, I don't believe. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's not fun no longer in uh, operation. So the water is, though, just a little bit warmer in San Onofre. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. It is. It is. Wow. Well, I enjoyed all of this. I I really appreciate you coming on. I know we've been, uh, it's a long, so long time planning, but I love it. Yeah, great. Well, I look forward to seeing all of your posts. Um, it's always so inspirational seeing everyone on their stand up paddle boards doing yoga and, uh, <laughs> can't wait to follow your adventures this summer out on the waters. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm starting to make my pack list right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Great. Have a wonderful day. Thanks.